Back off, Soros. And keep your freaking hands off the kids. Government-run grocery stores? How socialist can you get? And America's most woke company. We found it, and we're going to tell you about it. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. All that and more coming up this morning on the show. We got a whole bunch of crap going on today. And we're missing an $80 million F-35 jet. What? Have they found it yet? And as if that's not bad enough, they're asking for the public's help in finding it? We live in a clown world. I'm sorry. Uh, Radar? Tell me you're not tracking this thing? Anyway, there's more to this story. There has to be. It's weird. I'm not really covering it tonight because it's sort of developing, so maybe we'll talk about it tomorrow, but uh, it's a weird one. It's a very weird one. All that, plus, of course, we will continue with Animal Farm tonight. We're reading George Orwell's Animal Farm, a little piece at a time, and we'll have more of that coming up for you. Right now, though, one of our great sponsors on this show is this amazing company. It is Blackout Coffee, and we thank them for being part of the show. Be awake, not woke. Ha! Get some coffee with some values and get an amazing coffee. They were founded on the principles of of conservative values, what we're all about here on this show, you and me in our lives. The founders believe in the importance of hard work, personal responsibility, family, respect, and traditional American values. The best fresh roasted coffee you will find anywhere delivered right to your door. They grow all of these with local co-ops, American farmers, using the best soil, the best altitude, the right time of year, harvested at just the right moment. And all of that goes into making an amazing cup of coffee. The owner of this company, <clears throat> like I said, is all about American traditional conservative values. But you know, none of that's worth a damn if you don't put out a good product. This is a good product. Folks, I'm a coffee drinker. I drink a ton of coffee every day. Got it right here, right now with me. Blackout coffee in that cup. Mm-mm. And, oh, man, that's good. And you need to try it. At least try a bag. You don't have to go ahead and buy some you know, big giant order. If you want, just go buy one bag of the beans, grind them up, make yourself an amazing cup of coffee. You'll be back for more, I promise you, because it's just that good. And feel good that you are supporting a company that supports our values. Right now, use the link in our show notes for an incredible deal. It's for Blackout Coffee. And when you go to check out, you use the promo code J20, J-A-Y-20. That's my first name. And you'll get 20% off your first order. That is a hell of a deal. 20% off your first order with the promo code J20, J-A-Y-20. And check it out. Blackout Coffee, fantastic company, fantastic coffee. You can't go wrong. You will be amazed. All right. All I got to do is say the name George Soros. And the hair on the back of my neck stands up every time ground zero hal 9000 number one beaner here yeah 
In fact, you know what? I think you are our number one beaner there. Hal, thanks for popping by again and being part of the show. We really appreciate it. Did you order your blackout coffee yet? What are you waiting for? Get on the stick. All right, back to George Soros. I'm telling you, man, this guy, he's doing enough to ruin everything else about America, and now he's found another way to stick his sneaky little commie Nazi hands into something else his nose doesn't belong in. He is giving a TikTok army of pro-Joe Biden activists at least $300,000 to push leftism on young voters. He's going after in TikTok. We are unequivocally supportive of Medicare for All, the Green New Deal, and Palestinian liberation. This man is nothing but trouble. Far-left billionaire George Soros, again meddling in our presidential election in support of the Democratic Party, Controversial philanthropist donated more than 300 G's to an army of Gen Z TikTokers. They're making a ton of money off of this crap, folks. And that's to get them to praise Joe Biden and push extreme left policies like defunding the police. We all see how well that's going. Ending cash bail and abolishing federal border enforcement agencies. Again, we all see just how wonderfully that's working. The New York Post is reporting that Soros' Open Society Foundation granted the nonprofit Accelerate Action, Inc. 5.5 million bucks in 2020, according to tax filings. They then provided at least 300000 to Gen Z for change. That's another group. Another nonprofit network of 500 activists, organizers, and creators who are out there like little bots on TikTok promoting Joe Biden and his asinine policies that are ruining this country. And this nonprofit doesn't just use the Chinese-owned and operated TikTok for their activism. According to Gen Z for Change website, a network of influential users across TikTok, Twitter, now known as X, Instagram, and YouTube, who together have access to over 500 million people. This post revealed the White House officials briefed the nonprofit on Biden's ongoing efforts in Ukraine. In return, the group's influencers made videos in support of Biden's actions. Gen Z for Change has been invited to the White House to see the Inflation Reduction Act signed as a thank you for their contribution. Yeah, $300,000 wasn't enough. Invite him to the White House, too. Very, very nice. And all of this backed by George Soros and his open funding societies. Here's an example of just one of these little Gen Z money-grubbing... You know, they don't mean it. They're just doing it for the cash. That's all. It's just for the money. Give them the money, they'll say anything. It's almost like COVID scientists. Ooh, did I say that? Yes, I did. 
According to John Murphy's speaker profile, this activist has overseen partnerships with the White House, the DNC, Fair Fight, Made to Save, March On, Climate Power, and more. Largely funded by Soros, $8.3 million allocated to Accelerate Action. It's the only nonprofit that's donated to Gen Z for change, according to the most recent publicly accessible tax data. Not yet revealed how Gen Z for Change distributes Soros funding to its young influencer activists, whose accounts are strewn with talking points from the White House and far, far, far left politicians. Unbelievable, no question. Soros has had a highly controversial influence in American politics on behalf of the Democratic Party. Soros, of course, known for putting millions of dollars behind the campaigns of far-left district attorneys. He's realized that, you know, you can back Biden, a presidential candidate, senators, but when you really want to affect some change, you get to the DAs. You get your DAs elected, just like in Georgia and California and all the other places there's all this crap going on. And now, of course, George's son, Alex, who just showed up at the White House and met with Kamala the other day, taking over open societies from his 93-year-old father. Sadly, Alex is just as much of a socialist commie as his father is. In fact, he thinks he might be even worse. Now, he didn't say worse. I did. It's a nightmare, and it isn't going to stop until we stop voting for these Soros-backed idiots. It's the only way it's going to stop, when you stop it. Speaking of socialists, you like your grocery store? You, you know, whatever, big chain, small corner store, wherever you get your groceries. How would you like your grocery store to be run by the government? No, I'm not kidding. The government who can't get its head out of its ass long enough to find an $80 million F-35 fighter jet, Chicago is considering the creation of government-operated grocery stores. This is from the Post Millennial, links in our show notes. This is insane. Brandon Johnson, who's the mayor in Chicago, revealed the city will be partnering with the Economic Security Project to explore the idea of creating a government-owned grocery store, supposedly to assist historically underserved communities. He says, all Chicagoans deserve to live near convenient, affordable, healthy grocery options. We know access to grocery stores is already a challenge for many residents, especially on the south and west sides. Mayor Johnson, according to an office press release, says a stronger, better, safer future is one where our youth and communities have access to the tools and resources they need to survive. So now they're thinking about partnering and running a grocery store. 
He said it's to promote food. Oh, man, these morons. Freaking morons. To promote food equality. Estimates from the U.S. Department of Agriculture found 63.5% of residents in West Inglewood and 52% in East Garfield Park live more than, get this, half a mile from their nearest grocery store. <gasps> Clutch my pearls. Half a mile. Oh my goodness, you're going to make me walk or drive a half a mile? I can't possibly fathom how I'm going to make it in all this heat. So freaking what? You live a half a mile from a... Go... Are you kidding me? In Westtown, less than 1% of the residents experience this barrier to food access, they call it. It's not a barrier to food access. It's a half a freaking mile. I walk more than that with my dog twice a day. This initiate, initiative, if completed, would mark Chicago becoming the first U.S. city, major U.S. city, to launch a government-owned grocery store. You can just imagine how up this thing would be. I'm not just talking about, you know, the, the help, the shelves, the stock, the restock, the checkout. Oh, it'll be self-checkout, trust me. Dealing with food inequity. Food inequity. Perhaps the dumbest two words ever put together. Food inequity. Oh, man. Oregon's had it. Oregon, I love this. This is a brilliant idea. We love the folks in Oregon. Oregon's got some whacked left-wing nut jobs all over the place in Oregon. But there are folks who live in Oregon who've had it. Outflanked by liberals, Oregon conservatives aim to become a part of Idaho. Yeah. You don't like it? Screw you. We'll give our tax money to Idaho. A lot of the conservative Eastern Oregon wants to be part of Idaho, and there is a push on to shift the old border going on right now. The Snake River currently is the border of Oregon and Idaho for more than a half a century, a century and a half rather, 150 years plus. Slicing through fields of onions, sugar beets, wheat that roll out for miles through Treasure Valley. Here on the Oregon side, where Bob Wheatley's lived his entire life, are a collection of high-end cannabis shops, a new Planned Parenthood clinic, gas prices a dollar higher than those just over the river. Across the river, in the town of Fruitland, which is western Idaho, not Oregon. New housing subdivisions stretch out for miles in the main streets. Agriculture, bottling, construction business, just months ago that were based in Oregon, are now thriving. One of Fruitland's new problems? Building enough schools to accommodate the out-of-state arrivals, a lot of them, from Oregon. 
Things have changed, says Wheatley, who retired recently after five decades as the local pharmacist. And it's the politics that have changed the fastest. Now, these twin towns across an old border straddle a seam in the nation's deepening political polarization. Neighboring opposites living under starkly different laws between Oregon and Idaho. This river separates the states perhaps more than in any other part of our nation. Embraces the two parties' most extreme positions on things like gun control, abortion rights, environmental regulation, drug legalization, a lot of other issues at the heart of American politics. And the result in eastern Oregon, from the volcanic Cascade Range to this border town, is a sense of political alienation. The disaffection among conservatives spawned a movement to change the state's political dynamic in a rather novel way. Rather than relocate or change the politics, they just want to change the border. They don't want to be apart anymore. Move the border. Not a bad idea. And there's a lot of residents who agree with this, and they are fighting to make it happen. Good on you. You don't have to move. Move the border. <laughs> there's more details in that story. It's rather cool. Some interesting insight into those kind of problems. And I've seen this kind of stuff happen before. People have been suggesting it. <clears throat> it's not a bad idea especially all these areas that apparently want to go woke and go broke. Unbelievable. Speaking of which, we have found America's most woke company. Not kidding. Tell you about it coming up in just a bit. Right now, though, we want to tell you about the dangers of being online, which you are right now watching this show. And are you protected is your personal privacy protected? Is your personal data protected? If you're not using a VPN, likely not. Today's digital age, our online security is more important than ever before. And that's why NordVPN is the perfect solution. Look, I know you think you're safe. You don't worry about it. Yeah, but you know what? The time when you're going to need it is too late. Get it now before something awful happens to you and all your private data and information. NordVPN, you can browse the web securely, privately. You don't have to worry about hackers, snoopers. You know, even your own ISP, Internet Service Provider, the folks who give you your, you pay every month to give you your internet, they're hacking your data. They're stealing your website information, where you're going, selling it to marketers and the like. Military-grade encryption with these folks. Their technology ensures your data is safe and it stays confidential. Now, not only does NordVPN protect your privacy, but it opens up a whole world of online entertainment. 5,000 servers, 59 countries. You can access your favorite websites, your favorite streaming services from anywhere in the world. And get this, with a single NordVPN account, you can hook up to six devices. Your laptop, your handphone, your partner's laptop and handphone, your kids, six devices with a single NordVPN account. User-friendly interface. Look, if you're not tech-savvy, don't worry about it. You get the software, you just click one button, and you are protected. That's it. Boot up the software, click the button, boom, you're done. 
No, it doesn't take a rocket science at all. Could not be simpler. And if you use the link in our show notes, which is right down below there, you will get this amazing deal up to 65% off and three months free. Incredible. Look at that deal. It's right there on the screen now. 65% off and three months free from NordVPN when you use our special link. If you are not using it, do not go online without a VPN, especially these days, folks, especially these days. I cannot tell you how important it is. It really is. All right. America's wokest company. Yep, it exists. Uh, I'm going to read this the way the writer wrote it. And that is, uh, <laughs> I love this. It's brilliantly written. I maintain an ever-growing list of woke companies on my website to help consumers make informed decisions. About half the companies on the list are there based on readers' suggestions. I get a lot of spicy feedback, but I could never have imagined that a reader tip would inspire me to proclaim, proclaim Penzies, a retail spice chain, as America's wokest company. Penzies, not Ben and Jerry's, not Patagonia, not Disney, not Nike. Penzies Spices. You may have never heard of them. Upscale Spice Chain also sells kitchen home accessories. Privately held company claims hundreds of thousands of catalog customers, as well as a retail location in 24 U.S. states. A reader, Mike, recently wrote to me to complain about Republican blog post on the Penzi's website written by CEO Bill Penzi. My jaw dropped as I read Penzi's rant. Here are a few excerpts. This is the CEO. Remember when your distrust of big city types and your deep-rooted belief in paying your debts, respecting your marriage, raising kids willing to serve, honoring your word, and going to church every week? Had you voting for Donald Trump over Joe Biden, all because Biden's son had a computer? Or how you couldn't vote for Hillary because she was overprepared and used emails? Going, going forward, we'd still be glad to have you as customers, but we're done pretending the Republican Party's embrace of cruelty, racism, COVID lies, climate change denial, and threats to democracy. Boy, he's got them all in there. Are anything other than the risks they legitimately are. If you need us to pretend you're not creating the hurt you are creating in order for you to continue to be our customer, I'm sad to say you might be happier elsewhere. <laughs> so the writer emailed the CEO to see if he would speak regarding his rant. He didn't reply, no surprise there. Not worth discussing the post merits. Anybody who thinks that Hunter Biden's only sin is owning a computer and Hillary Clinton is being overprepared and using email, clearly overdosed on MSNBC a long time ago. 
What sets Penzi's apart from all these other woke companies is that most woke retailers will push lefty policies, virtue signaling, without specifically denouncing Republican voters. They won't come right out and say it. This nut job specifically comes out and says it. They even have an activism tab on the website. Here's the plea. If you're doom scrolling out of the climate crisis, know that it doesn't have to be this way. But the word Republican doesn't appear on the website. Even Ben and Jerry's, who appears to be nonpartisan on their activism tab of the website, though only someone who deeply uninformed wouldn't believe it, and particularly when the site has posts attacking Republicans for failing to vote for legislation that the company favors. When the most woke companies stray into politics, they often bury their virtual signaling in press releases or even less visible on their websites buried in back pages. But not this company. Penzi's has a tab on its homepage called, this is the name of the tab, About Republicans. Right next to the tab About Us. <laughs> Unbelievable. Go check it out. This is insane. And read the rest of this article, too, on America's most woke company. They are they're beyond the pale. I mean, it just, you will not believe some of the crap on this place's website. Yes, and I agree. It is absolutely the most woke company you are ever going to see. It far beats all these other folks. Nike, Ben & Jerry's, all the rest of them. Insane. All right. Uh, from John Solomon's uh, website, justthenews.com, this is an amazing story. Um, and this, this just should not be. The FBI received evidence from a second informant in the Biden case. You know, we all talked about the first one. Oh, there were two. Oh, yeah. They got information and evidence from a second informant but they shut him down. According to an ex-agent who says, it shocked me a bit because the purpose of a confidential informant, CI, is to support a case. This is agent or ex-agent Tim Tebalt telling Congress, he's not the first law enforcement officer to uh, meet roadblocks that have been created specifically to protect Hunter Biden. Retired FBI supervisor revealed to Congress the Bureau's Washington field office had a second politically connected informant providing information relative to the Biden family investigation. But he was asked to shut down the source in the fall of 2020, shortly before Joe Biden was allegedly elected president insane. He was a Tim uh, Tebalt, former number two supervisor in the Washington field office for the FBI, told the House Judiciary Committee last week he was somewhat taken aback when he received a request from the lead agent in the Hunter Biden tax case to shut down 
the CHS, Confidential Human Source. He didn't further identify the source of the testimony. Best-selling author Peter Schweitzer told Just the News Sunday he believes he is the person described in the transcript based on past comments from Tebalt. And after the New York Times recently suggested the FBI had received information in the Hunter Biden case from a right-wing author. There are no right-wing facts or left-wing facts. There are only facts. And of course, they happily accept the unsubstantiated and unsourced dossier from Hillary Clinton as fact without reservation. But oh no, not this guy. He's got information that makes Biden crime family look bad, so we're going to shut him down. More details in this article from John Solomon's site, Just the News. It is a great article. As usual, John goes heavy-duty in-depth about uh, this testimony. It's a head shaker. Got another head shaker from Texas. Yeah, oh, man. It's called... Back the blue, at least that's the headline I gave it. <laughs> it's a lot of details. I'm just going to skim over it so you get an idea as to what's going on. A Democrat judge is blocking a $15,000 donation to a Texas border town to their law enforcement as the Biden border crisis rages on. There's the idiot judge, and there's the check. The Great American Cleanup, that is the name of a group. They pick a different town every year to clean up. Lately, they've been selecting border towns because, as I'm sure you've seen on the news, they are a complete mess when these illegal aliens pile through. They bring in volunteers, they set up local law enforcement and pick up all the trash led by, left behind by the illegal immigrants, human traffickers on the way across the border. Now to honor the local law enforcement officers who have to deal with this crisis every day, um, the group donates money to help them continue their work, strengthen the communities to the local law enforcement agencies. Well, Judge Eddie Trevino, remember that name, claims cleaning up the border is a political stunt and he will not let them cash the check. <laughs> when Esquivel took the check to the local commissioner's office in Cameron County to request they cash it, they did not approve that. County Judge Eddie Trevino Jr. grilled Esquivel on how he came to receive the funds and to be involved in cleaning up the border area with the Great American Cleanup in the first place. And instead of allowing the constable and his deputies to make use of the funds for new equipment, provide more and more resources for the community, he wanted Esquivel to explain why his department was engaged in cleaning up the border. Esquivel stood before the judge and the county commissioners to account for the work of his department and make the case for accepting the donation on their behalf. There is a video. 
It's donated to us because of the efforts we provide. Our department, Great American Cleanup. We were at the southern border here this weekend, cleaning up the border, the trash left behind by the illegal immigrants coming into our country. And the judge, uh, there's a picture of just some of the mess. That's a small, small amount of what goes on down there at that border. And this Democrat left-leaning nut job should never be on the bench judge said, nope, not going to let you cash the check. Uh, Russell Brand is in the news. Uh, you likely have heard this because it's been going on for a little while here. But yeah, man, what a nightmare. As soon as you cross the Rubicon, they're coming after you. When you're a big potatoes, little guy like me, nobody cares. That's fine. I'll just sit here and piss in the wind. But I'll keep pissing in the wind. Nothing's stopping me. I'm two small potatoes for anyone to really care, and I accept that, and it's fine. I've got my little core of audience out there, and I love you guys to pieces. I truly do. I so much appreciate your being here, being part of the show, helping out with our sponsors. Truly, truly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. It means the world to me. When you get to the level of a Dan Bongino or a Russell Brand, that's another world. And celebrities are coming out in support of Russell Brand. He has been accused of raping four women. The actor absolutely refutes the allegations, and he calls it a coordinated attack. He's been accused of rape by four women. The British actor already vehemently denied all of the alleged sexual allegations that are said to have happened a decade or more ago, presented to the public by a joint investigation by The Times, The Sunday Times, Channel 4 Dispatches. Brand accused of sexually assaulting four women between 2006 and 2013. And I'm not really going to cover much more of this because it's all just pure bullshit. They're just going after Russell Brand because Russell Brand talks about things like this show that they don't want him talking about. So they are going to do everything they can to shut him down or try and bruise his image. It isn't going to work because we're awake and we're not listening to your crap anymore. We're not buying it. We get our news from sources other than the mainstream left media. Now, there's a link in our show notes. Again, not going to cover it in big, big de detail here tonight, but you got to check this out. The climate dissent that you're not hearing about because it's being muffled by society's top institutions. You know on this, this is from Real Clear Investigations, and it is a great article. If you want to know more about what you're hearing and what you're not hearing from the Biden administration, worldwide from different governments, making massive uh, commitments to uh, de decarbonize the global economy, which is all just scare tactics and so much climate change bullcrap 
The International Monetary Fund canceled a presentation by John Clauser, Nobel Prize winning, winning physicist who publicly disavows the existence of any kind of climate crisis. Well, they canceled this presentation and they're just going to continue this example after example after example here of ways they are shutting you out of the information. 1,600 climate scientists, including two Nobel laureates, signed a declaration stating there is no climate emergency. Please read this article. Don't just read it, share it. The link is in our show notes. It's right there for you. And it lets you not only read the article, get more information, but it also lets you share it out. Post it to your Facebook, your Truth Social, your Twitter X account, wherever. Put it out there, let people know. It's a cult. It's a virtually a religion. And people are buying into it, and nothing you say will change their minds, sadly. All right. Harry's gray suit. <laughs> what a great, what a great uh, account over on X. He posted this, and he said, she's so manic here. Is that Merkel? I have a feeling it is. She's so manic here and high from all the attention. She doesn't even give eye contact to the disabled boy in the wheelchair. She's with a big crowd of fans taking pictures. And take a look at how she deals with this young fan in a wheelchair. Take a look. Goes behind, get the picture, smile for the camera. Okay, looks down, but doesn't make eye contact. Spends less than a second, a half, less than half a second. And goes, moves right on. You'd think she would be able to take the time to spend a little moment and how much it would have meant to that young kid in that wheelchair. Couldn't care less. It's all about the image. It's all about who you're getting your picture taken with. I'm going to tell you a very quick story, but it's an absolutely true one. My mom used to work back in the, oh goodness, 70s? She used to work for a very famous Hollywood actress, taking care of this Hollywood actress's children. I'm going to be really careful not to name names here because I... I just don't want to. But trust me, every single word I'm saying is absolutely true. She worked taking care as a nanny for this very famous, well-known Hollywood television actress's kids. And at the time, they were shooting a weekly sitcom in New York City at CBS Studios. So my mom would go with her and the kids to the studio and take care of the kids during the day while the actress was shooting and then head back to their New York penthouse, I assume, uh, at night. Here's the part of the story that relates to that video I just showed you. Before this actress 
would leave the studio? Because, you know, at all the exits, there are paparazzi and there are fans who are trying to get autographs and get their pictures taken with the stars. Before this actress would leave CBS Studios, she would send her assistant out to each one of the exits to see which one of the exits had the better-looking fans. And that's the way she would leave the studio. So when she had her picture taken, she was having it taken with good-looking people, not kids in wheelchairs. Kid you not. It's all a sham, folks. It is all a sham. These are the people you admire, you adore, you're fans of. These shallow, empty people. Hardly even worth calling them people. That's an absolutely true story. I'm not going to tell you who, but that's a true story. All right. And my last one before we get on with our book, Animal Farm, is just words on a page. I put the link in here so you can share it out, and I really encourage you to share it out on your social media, whether it's X or Facebook or wherever it might be. This is amazing. I'm going to read it the way it was written by Marianne Jensen. She's at Marianne Jensen over on X. I took my 14-year-old to the doctor Friday. As if the renewed mask charade wasn't bad enough, Halfway through, the doctor asks me to leave. Over my dead body, I said. This is my child, and anything that can be discussed with both of us. The doctor then proceeded to ask if there were any questions about gender identity. Nope. I stopped it right there. We cannot continue to fuel this madness. Fight it. Do not let your child fall prey to a manufactured identity crisis. It ends with us. Or it will continue to lay claim to more children until the family and our children become basically unrecognizable. Do not fall for the love narrative. This is a political path that only leads to pain, suffering for everyone involved, most especially with the child. Before that doctor was going to discuss that, she wanted the mom to leave the room, leaving this 14-year-old alone with the doctor. <laughs> I don't think so, and good on this mom for having the balls, for lack of a better phrase, to stand up and say, nope, ain't happening. Not on my watch. Good on you. Link to that tweet is in our show notes tonight. I encourage you to check it out. Share it. Before the family, like she says, becomes virtually unrecognizable. And the person hurt the most is a child. 
exactly right. All right. George Orwell's 1984 was an amazing read. We loved doing it on this show. We read that last, and then we moved into Animal Farm. We're headed towards the end. We are in the last couple of chapters here of Animal Farm. It's been amazing. And uh, we are not able to get permission, apparently, to read Catcher in the Rye, which is not in the public domain. I tried to write the publisher and uh, not having any luck getting permission to, uh, to air it. So we will likely go on with Lord of the Flies, which is also an incredible book. That'll be coming up next after Animal Farm. Right now, we'll continue in Chapter 9 of George Orwell's Animal Farm. In April, Animal Farm was proclaimed a republic, and it became necessary to elect a president. Now, there was only one candidate, Napoleon, who was elected unanimously. On the same day, it was given out that fresh documents has been discovered, which revealed further details about Snowball's complicity with Jones. Now it appeared Snowball had not, as the animals previously imagined, merely attempted to lose the Battle of the Cowshed by means of a stratagem, but had been openly fighting on Jones's side. In fact, it was he who had actually been the leader of the human forces and had charged into battle with the words long live humanity on his lips. The wounds of Snowball's back, which a few of the animals still remembered to have seen, had been inflicted by Napoleon's teeth. In the middle of the summer, Moses the raven suddenly reappeared on the farm after an absence of several years, he was quite unchanged, still did no work, talked in the same strain as ever about Sugar Candy Mountain. He would perch on a stump, flap his black wings, and talk by the hour to anyone who'd listen. Up there, comrades, he'd say solemnly, pointing to the sky with his large beak. Up there, just on the other side of that dark cloud that you can see. There it lies, Sugar Candy Mountain, happy country where poor animals shall rest forever from our labors. He even claimed to have been there on one of his higher flights and to have seen the everlasting fields of clover and linseed cake and lump sugar growing on the hedges. Many of the animals believed him. Their lives now, they reasoned, were hungry and laborious. Was it not right and, and just that a better world should exist somewhere else? A thing that was difficult to determine was the attitude of the pigs towards Moses. They all declared contemptuously that his stories about Sugar County Mountain were lies. They allowed him to remain on the farm not working with an allowance of a gill of beer a day. After his hoof had healed up, Boxer worked harder than ever. Indeed, all the animals worked like slaves that year. Apart from the regular work of the farm, the rebuilding of the windmill, there was the schoolhouse for the young pigs, which was started in March 
Sometimes the long hours on insufficient food were hard to bear, but Boxer never faltered. In nothing that he said or did was there any sign that his strength was not what it had been. It was only his appearance that was a little altered. His hide was less shiny than it used to be, and his great haunches seemed to have shrunken. The other said, Boxer will pick up when the spring grass comes on. But the spring came, and Boxer grew no fatter. Sometimes on the slope leading to the top of the quarry, when he braced his muscles against the weight of some vast boulder, it seemed that nothing kept him on his feet except the will to continue. At such times, his lips were seen to form the words, I will work harder. He had no voice left. Once again, Clover and Benjamin warned him to take care of his health, but Boxer paid no attention. His twelfth birthday was approaching. He didn't care what happened. So long as a good store of stone was accumulated before he went on pension. Now, late one evening in the summer, a sudden rumor ran round the farm that something had happened to Boxer. He'd gone out alone to drag a load of stone down to the windmill. Sure enough, the rumor was true. A few minutes later, two pigeons came racing in with the news. Boxer's fallen. He's lying on his side and he can't get up. About half the animals on the farm rushed out to the knoll where the windmill stood. And there lay Boxer between the shafts of the cart, his neck stretched out, unable to even raise his head. His eyes were glazed, his sides matted with sweat. A thin stream of blood had trickled out of his mouth. Clover dropped to her knees on his side. Boxer, she cried. How are you? It's my lung, said Boxer in a weak voice. Doesn't matter. I think you'll be able to finish the windmill without me. There's a pretty good store of stone accumulated. I had only another month to go in any case. To tell you the truth, I've been looking forward to my retirement. Perhaps as Benjamin is growing old, too, they'll... Let him retire at the same time and be a companion to me. We must help at once, said Clover. Run, somebody tell Squealer what's happened. All the other animals immediately raced back to the farmhouse to give Squealer the news. Only Clover remained, and Benjamin, who lay down at Boxer's side and, without speaking, kept the flies off of him with her long tail. After about a quarter of an hour, Squealer appeared full of sympathy and concern. He said Comrade Napoleon had learned with the very deepest distress of his misfortune to one of the most loyal workers on the farm and was already making arrangements to send Boxer to be treated in the hospital at Willingdon. Well, the animals felt a little uneasy at this. Except for Molly and Snowball, no other animal had ever left the farm. They didn't like to think of their sick comrade in the hands of human beings. However, Squealer easily convinced them that the veterinary surgeon in Willingdon could treat Boxer's case more satisfactory than could be done on the farm. 
And about a half hour later, when Boxer had somewhat recovered, he was with difficulty, got onto his feet, managed to limp back to his stall, where Clover and Benjamin had prepared a good bed of straw for him. For the next two days, Boxer remained in his stall. Pigs had sent out a large bottle of pink medicine, which they found in the medicine chest in the bathroom. And Clover administered it to Boxer twice a day after meals. In the evening, she lay in the stall and talked to him, while Benjamin kept the flies off him. Boxer professed not to be sorry for what had happened, and if he made a good recovery, he might expect to live another three years, maybe look forward to the peaceful days he'd spend in the corner of the big pasture. It'd be the first time he had leisure to study, improve his mind. He intended, he said, to devote the rest of his life to learning the remaining 22 letters of the alphabet. However, Benjamin and Clover could only be with Boxer after working hours, and it was the middle of the day when the van came to take him away. The animals were all work at work weeding turnips under the supervision of a pig when they were astonished to see Benjamin come galloping from the direction of the farm buildings, braying at the top of his voice. It was the first time they'd ever seen Benjamin excited. Indeed, it was the first time anyone had ever seen him gallop. Quick, quick, he shouted, come at once. They're taking Boxer away. Well, without waiting for orders from the pig, the animals broke off work and raced to the farm buildings. Sure enough, there in the yard was a large closed van, drawn by two horses, with lettering on its side and a sly-looking man with a low-crowned bowler hat sitting on the driver's seat, and Boxer's stall was empty. The animals crowded round the van, Goodbye, Boxer, they chorused. Goodbye. Fools. Fools, shouted Benjamin, prancing round them, stamping the earth with his small hoofs. Fools! Do you not see what is written on the side of that van? Well, that gave the animals pause, and there was a hush. Muriel began to spell out the words, but Benjamin pushed her aside. And in the midst of a deadly silence, he read, Alfred Simmons, horse slaughterer and glue boiler, Wildington, dealer in hides and bone meal, kennel supplied. Do you not understand what that means? They are taking Boxer to the knackers. A horror burst out from all the animals. At this moment, the man on the box whipped up his horses, and the van moved out of the yard at a small trot. Oh, my. Wow. There's a good spot to drop off. We will continue this on tomorrow night's show. Man, I'm telling you. 
George Orwell, what a writer. Absolutely incredible. This story has been phenomenal. Okay. Thanks so much, everybody. And hey, don't forget, please hit that follow button. It's right over there. It helps the show out a ton. Costs you nothing. It's free, and it really does help us a lot. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Check out all the great deals from our sponsors, NordVPN, Blackout Coffee. Pick yourself up a bag of the best coffee on the planet from a company that supports our conservative values, Blackout Coffee. We'll see you all again tomorrow. Snort. <laughs>